Okay, so cheer up. Birds also have bills, but they keep singing. I love that one. I thought that was a great one. We know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So when you think about greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, there is nothing greater than God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Greater is he. What a promise. And so, Father, I just yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body. And I thank you for these people, for our people, for, uh, for just this church. Father, I thank you that we proclaim the uncompromised word. And we're not backing off of that. Everything has to line up with the word. And I pray for people that are being so deceived by doctrines of demons and, and the things that are going on and the people that are falling away in this hour. Father, we just hang tight to you. We hang on to your word. We're learning more and more about your word. And I thank you, Father, that this word, this seed, will fall upon good ground, good soil this morning, and it will bring forth a mighty harvest, a glorious, mighty harvest this morning. Say this with me. I'm prepared, and I'm ready to hear the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that this word is your word. And you are teaching me, and I will be obedient to everything I hear. Father, I just thank you that I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and that you teach through me. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here today, your power, your anointing. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's go to number five. We had number one was Christ, the hope of glory, is the mystery that God has revealed. Number two, he redeemed us with his blood. We should live worthy of him. Number three, he gave himself for us. We should live for him, Christ, who lives in us. Number four, he heals our sickness. He carried our infirmities and bore our sickness. We're healed by his stripes. You know, one scripture I did not put in that was Psalms 107, 19, and 20. And I think that's probably one of my favorite scriptures. They cried unto the Lord, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. Number six or five today is he meets our needs. Because he became poor so we could become rich. He left heaven, all the glory and the splendor in heaven, Jesus. And he came to earth to set the captives free. To give us our freedom that Adam had turned, given over to the enemy. Jesus came and took it back, went to hell paid for our sins on the cross, went to hell so we wouldn't have to, and rose from the dead 
Now he sits, put his blood on the altar. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father forever interceding for every one of us. You know, if Jesus is praying for you, <laughs> that's the greatest person you could have praying for you. And he's constantly, he doesn't sleep. They're up there. They know everything that's going on. And he's preparing us in this hour for great and mighty exploits. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. When I got the call last night, this person was, she wanted to know how can people get so off. And I said, they don't know the word. I don't know if we realize how privileged that we are to know the word. I thank God that we were very privileged to go to Ramah. Brother Hagen taught the word and he told us to take the word and to prove everything according to the word. So he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from all destructions. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I'm going to share with each one of us that we need to start meditating upon the word and know your scripture. Be able to quote scripture. You might not know exactly where it is, but be able to quote scripture. When circumstances and situations come, you need to be able to speak to it because it's God's word going forth out of your mouth that will set you and others free from any circumstance or situation. And so that's the problem today. People have listened to fables and whatever, doctrines of devils, and they don't know the word. And the sad thing is, if you don't know the word, then you don't know the spirit who's talking to you. You, don't, you, you can't decipher who's who. Amen? But when you know the Word of God and what the Word of God says, and not just know the Word, but do the Word, then the enemy can't come in. He'll try, but he will give up because he knows he can't persuade you off of the Word of God, no matter what circumstances or situations look like. So I know Pastor did a great sermon on Wednesday night. And it was an excellent sermon. And we need to take heed. If you weren't here, you need to get the DVD of it because or hear it online. So Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Oh, I'm going to go up uh, to verse 22. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. And this is why it's important that, we that we're very careful at what we watch. Jesus also said, be careful of what we hear. So the eye is the lamp of the body. 
But if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the very light in you, your conscience, is darkened, how dense is that darkness? Now I'll read 22 out of the King James. Uh, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either it will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried. Stop being uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or about your body. What you shall put on is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. And you're, are you not worthy much more than they? And who of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add one unit or measure, cubit, to his stature or to the span of his life? And why should you be anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his magnificent, excellent dignity and grace was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and green and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, he will not, will he not much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to eat, or what are we going to have to drink, or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, heathens, wish and crave and diligently seek for all, all these things. And your heavenly Father knows well that you need them. What did I say? We're going to... What did I say? 34. Okay. But seek, aim, and strive after first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And these things taken together will be given you besides. So do not worry or be anxious about any about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxiety of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. So I'm going to read um, part of this out of the King James. 
uh, verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So don't even take thought about tomorrow. Don't even get concerned about tomorrow. You know, more people spend time worrying about something and staying up all night about something that doesn't even happen. And so God is telling us here, don't worry, be happy. There used to be a song like that. I can't remember what it was. So Luke twenty-two thirty-five. And there are so many people that worry about this and that, and their minds are just running around thinking too much. If you're going to think, start thinking on the word and confess the word. Pastor and I were um, getting rid of stuff and doing some things yesterday to my office in, our, in my room, and we were listening to David Ingalls as we did it. What greater tape to listen to than David Ingalls singing the songs? And the boys right now are listening to David Ingalls. They hear it every Sunday, every time we leave the house, Luke twenty-two thirty-five. So they're good little boys. Levi is his daddy's shadow. That's hilarious. Okay. And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then he said unto them, But now he said, Hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. He that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this is written, that this that is written, yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoning among the transgressors for the things concerning me. Am I in the wrong scripture? Not me have an end. So I'm going to read this out of the King James or the Amplified. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no purse or provision, bag or sandals, ladies, we would be kind of beside ourselves if we didn't have all our stuff in our purses, right? <laughs> People look at me and say, how can you get everything in that purse? But everything I need. Do you lack anything? They answered nothing. Then he said to them, but now let him who has a purse take it and also his provisions bag and let him who has no sword sell his mantle and buy a sword. For I tell you that this scripture must yet be fulfilled in me. And he was counted and classed among the wicked, the outlaws and criminals. And is <laughs> for what is written about me has its fulfillment, has reached its end, and finally settled. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Hallelujah.
Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with the re recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became very poor in order that uh, by his poverty you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Hallelujah. God wants you abundantly supplied. I said, God wants you abundantly supplied. How many believe that? One amen back there. In John, um, or Matthew 15, 15 to 21, You know, people, it's sad, don't see God for who he truly is. He's El Shaddai. He is more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough. More than enough. When you think about that, God's thoughts towards you are more than all the sand. He, I was meditating on that the other day. More than all the sand. He's always the God of more. He's always the God that's giving. He's always the God that, that wants to bless you. He wants to load you down daily with benefits. Not just you, but everyone that's, that's in your family that's part of you. The believers are so very blessed in him. All the Lord speaks over you is goodness. That's all he can say about us. Jesus is forever right next to the Father interceding for us. Okay, 15, 15 through 21. You ready? But Peter said to him, explain this proverb, this maxim to us. And he said, am I there? 15, what did I say? 15 to 21. Okay. And he said, are you even yet dull and ignorant without understanding and unable to put things together? How would you like Jesus to say that to you? Do you not see and understand that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the abdomen and so passes on into the place where discharges are deposited? But whatever comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this is what makes a man unclean and defiles him. For out of the heart cometh evil thoughts, reasonings, and disputings, and designs, such as murder, adultery, sexual vice, theft, false witnessing, slander, 
an irreverent, irreverent speech. These are what make a man unclean and defile him. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean or defiled. You notice what he says. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this is what makes a man unclean. In the King James it said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart, and they defile the man. What man? Us. What we speak out of our mouth comes out of our heart, and it defiles us. I don't want to be defiled. And it can defile others. But the main person... When we speak words that are not right, that don't line up with the word of God, we are defiling ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the, our words, by your words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. And so we need to really take a watch over our mouth. You know, you can literally destroy a child by telling it that it's things that they should never hear. You're stupid or you're an idiot or whatever. They grow up, trust me, for 30-something years, I've counseled people from little children. They grow up with these things, and they don't have a good, their self-confidence is gone. And you have to restore them, and the way you restore them is through the Word of God. It's restoration, you know, by the wash, our mind is cleansed by the water of the washing of the word. Thank God. So the sad thing today, you see in, in so many Christians, they don't know the word, unfortunately, and that's how they're being pulled away and sucked away into things that aren't of God. It sounds good. It, it tickles their ears, but it's not of God. You know, people have itching ears. I think Kenneth Hagin wrote a book on itching ears. Very good book. But we need to stay firm and stay sound and speak forth the word of God. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And it's saying here that our words can defile ourselves. If you're going to sleep, wake up. Just slap yourself. Praise God. So then it's... He, um, 15, 15 to 21. Okay. But whatever comes to the mouth, we got there. For out of the heart cometh evil thought. There we got there. These are what a man is made of. Okay. And going away from there, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from the district came out with a loud, troublesome, urgent cry, begged, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed by a demon. And he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and kneeling, worshipped him and kept praying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. 
And he said, Is it not right, proper, becoming, or fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs? She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little pups, little whelps, eat the crumbs that fall from the young master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it done to you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. Hallelujah. She was totally set free that very moment. Aren't you glad that the blood was shed for us? He came for the house of Israel. He came for everyone. But this woman would not give up. Sometimes we need to stand in the face of God over circumstances and situations, especially when it comes to our children, and not give up. I'm serious about this. The older they get, the more they need us to stand for them because they're out of our house. You know, when they're in your home, you have total authority over them pretty much, when they turn 18. I know one of mine wanted to move back in, and they asked Matt, are the rules still the same? And he said, yes. <laughs> the rules in our house will never change, right? If they bid, there'd be something wrong with us. Mark 8, 1 through 9. Was I in? No, Mark 8. Remember, honey, when I was carrying Matt and you prayed before I ever got pregnant, you'd have a son. We weren't sure if we were going to name him Matthew or Mark. Matthew 8, 1 through 9. In those days when again an immense crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and told, to him and told them, I have pity and sympathy for the people, and my heart goes out to them, for they have been with me now three days and have nothing left to eat. Can you imagine going where Jesus was and sitting there on the ground for three days? And I, if I send them away to their homes hungry, they will be feeble through exhaustion and fate along the road, and some of them have come a long way. And his di disciples replied to him, How can anybody fill and satisfy these people with loaves of bread here in this desolate and uninhabited region? And he asked them, How many loaves have you? They said, Seven. And he commanded the multitude to recline upon the ground. And he then took the seven loaves of bread, and having given thanks, he broke them, and kept on giving them to his disciples to put before the people. And they placed them before the crowd. And they had a few small fifth fish. And when he had praised God and given thanks and asked him to bless them for their use, he ordered that they also should be set before them. And, he, and they ate and were satisfied, and when they took up seven large provision basketful of the broken pieces left over, and there were about 4,000 people, and he dismissed them, and at once he got into the boat and his disciples and went to the district of Dalmathuna, 
of Magda, Magdala. Jesus didn't even, I mean, they couldn't figure out where are we going to get it. Jesus' thoughts were in abundance. Bring me the loaves. Bring me the fish. And he fed them all. Jesus has great compassion on people. Great compassion. Church, the way the Lord would really like us to operate is the way that we just read. You see someone that's in need, but our faith has got to be built up to get there. How many know that? God wants us to operate and walk in the supernatural. Why? We have the Holy Ghost. Why not? We have the Holy Ghost. We have Jesus. We have his word. You know, people, a lot of Christians are buying food that will last them 20 years. I don't plan on being here after the rapture, folks. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, that's good if you want to buy all that food for those that are going to be hungry, that are left behind. But that's fear. Six, he defeated Satan. Can we also defeat Satan? Colossians 2.15. He's already defeated. Thank you, Father. Let's go up to... I love this scripture because it talks about baptism. Thus you were circumcised, verse 12, when you were buried with him in your baptism, in which you were also raised with him, to a new life through your faith in working with God as displayed when he raised him up from the dead. When you are baptized, it's life. You go under death. And when you come up, you're raised up. That's how powerful baptism is, you know. If you don't get baptized, I'll tell you, I was sprinkled as a baby. I guarantee you all it did was probably make me mad and made me cry, but it certainly did not save me. It didn't do diddly squat anything for me. You have to be, you have to be old enough to know Jesus, receive him as your Lord and Savior, and then be baptized. And what baptism represents is you're saying that I have been I have been born again, I have died with Jesus, and I've been resurrected in him. I lived for him, I died with him, and I've been resurrected. Hallelujah. That's exciting. I'll tell you, I came out of the tank praying in tongues. Okay, let's see. I had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but nobody told me you're supposed to continually pray in tongues. So I hadn't prayed in tongues since 
since I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, but when I got baptized, I came out praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Powerful. People don't realize how powerful baptism is. Okay. And you, and you who were dead in trespasses and in uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensuality, your sinful carnal nature, God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us of our transgressions, having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note bond with its legal decrees and demand which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us. This note with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of the way by nailing it to his cross. God, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I like the way it, in the Amplified it says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranging against us and made a bold display and public example of them and triumphing over them in him and in the cross. Therefore, let no one sit in judgments on you in matters of food and drink with regard of feast day and new moon or Sabbath. You know, a lot of people judge people for what they eat. That was the big thing with Peter when God kept dropping that sheet that had all the food on it. That's how, you know, he sent him out to, to the Gentiles and, and people couldn't believe it. So he defeated Satan. We can also defeat Satan. By his word, by his word are you justified, and by his word the enemy is condemned. But you have to use the word, amen? Acts 10.38, how many can quote Acts 10.38? Anybody? This is one you should be able to quote. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing all who were oppressed or, or possessed of the devil. Some are oppressed, some are possessed. Let's go to Luke 10. Behold, I give unto you. Well, let's go up one. Let's go up to 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. When he fell, he fell to the nations. I believe it's in Ezekiel that talks about that. He fell, there were beings. They call them cavemen, but there were dinosaurs and things there. So he saw Satan fall. God had to destroy all that. Start over again, but 
you know who was still around, unfortunately, came on the scene. But he says, I saw him fall. I saw Satan fall. In other words, he was just literally thrown out of heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and other, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Romans 16, 20. Some people get totally freaked out when you talk about the devil. Why? Jesus already defeated him. Ladies, you should jump up and rejoice. Jesus set the women free. And you see in, in Muslim countries and you, that the women aren't free. You know, I'm going to share this. And when we went to Hawaii, I think it was time before last, when we went to Maui last time, there was, um, bless her heart, this Muslim woman by the pool in all that garb they have to wear. And here's her husband sitting there looking at all the women. She had three little kids. And she was commanded to take the children up to the room while he stayed down there by the pool. You know, God has redeemed us women. We need to shout hallelujah. You know, those dear souls wearing white for woman's suffrage. Come on, folks. We need to get over some things here. We need to really pray for our president. Luke 16, 20. No, Romans 16, 20. I'm sorry. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Number seven, that was six. He defeated Satan, and we can also defeat Satan. Number seven, he blesses us and became a curse for us. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. I know some of you are probably thinking, I, we know all this. Well, you know what? We need to keep reading it. Every time I hear the, the word, I pick up something different. Do you understand what a curse is? I mean, I don't really want to go into cursing right now or curses. I mean, having a curse on you, you can't get it, you can't get away from it. We have been delivered from curses. Galatians 3:13 and 14. Someday, maybe I should teach on, oh, I don't know if I want to go into that can of worms right now. Please don't, Lord. Oh, 
Christ, verse 13, and Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Glory to God. The blessings of Abraham come on the Gentiles, that's us, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through, through faith. Excuse me. Oh, thank you, Father. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. There is but, there it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or added thereto. We have been redeemed. It says in the Amphite, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, doom of the law, and its condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs in a tree. To the end that through the receiving, their receiving Jesus Christ, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, might come upon you, so that you through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. You're out from under the curse. You're under the blood. 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Let's just turn there a minute. I don't know how, but I have been getting so many calls from people on the outside I guess because of Facebook and things, that want to know the word, the Christians. People are getting tired of, of um, the fake stuff. Third John 2, some are. Beloved, let's see. Come on. I think I'm going to have to get another Bible, baby. Beloved, I pray that... I'm going to go to the King James verse. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. For I greatly rejoiced... You might want to underline this. When the brethren came and testified of the truth or the word that is in thee, even as thou walks in truth. The word. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth or the word. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the word. Thank you, Jesus. This is how important the word is. If you don't have the word and you're not acting upon the word or not believing it in its fullness, if we don't believe it, the word, 
There are areas that all of us, you know, pastor did that sermon on planting different fields and keeping the weeds out. There are areas in every one of us that are weaker than other areas. We need to be strong in every area. You know, like I said earlier, it's our children that we need to be strong for right now because it's sad. I mean, it's really sad. Kids that have been taught the Word of God are just out there. And, you know, there, there's some bills in California that the, that the enemy's trying to put out there to take our complete pastor has them written down. You should put it on the back table, baby complete control over our children from us. Number 6, 24 through 26. I'm asking you in this congregation to pray for every family and their children. And don't stop. I don't care if their children are grown. Number 6, 24, and 26. The Lord bless you and watch, guard, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart, and life continually. And they put my name upon the Israelites, and I will bless them. Well, this same thing is for you. The Lord bless you and watch guard and keep you. The Lord made his face to shine upon and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart, and of life continually. This is forever, especially those that are born into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus. This is his desire for us. And anything that's opposite of that is not from God. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to get life, give life and life more abundantly. You know, in the hour that we're in, in the last eight years, a lot of people became discouraged and, and kind of drop back in their faith and their walk with God. Rise up. God is about to do something big and we need to be prepared for it. We need to pray for our president. Thank God we have a president that knows God and they're trying to do everything to get him out. God is about to do something big and move in this, in this country. Just watch. When he's had enough, it's going to be real interesting to watch. Either that or we're getting out of here. One or the other. Amen. John 10.10, we all know that. Thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I come to give you life and life abundantly. So anything that kills, steals, and destroys from you is from the devil. Anything that gives life and life more abundantly is from God. That's pretty easy. 
and I've shared this before and I'll share it again. When I was first saved, he told me, close your eyes, put a blackboard up there. Well, he said, kill, steal, and destroy is at the top of one. Put a line in life and life more abundantly. Kill, steal, and destroy Satan. Life and life more abundantly God. It was real simple. That wasn't being taught in the church I was born again in, let me tell you. The church I was born again in and taught that God put sickness on you to teach you things. So the Lord had to give me a blackbird board in my brain, in my mind. Spend time with God and he'll show you things in his word. Amen? That was seven. He blesses us. He became a curse for us. Number eight. He comforts us. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53, 4. Thank God. Not only that, then he sent the comforter for us, the Holy Ghost. Surely... He has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as if with leprously, leprous, I'm sorry, leprosy. But he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace. The chastisement needed to obtain peace was upon him. And well being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole in every aspect of our life. There are some people that are sicker inside than they are outside. You know, the woman you were talking about, the stuff I've counseled is worse than that, just let me tell you. But I get them when they're adults. And I look at it and I think, how did you ever make it through all this? You, you know, that's why don't judge a person after they get saved. It takes time to get rid of some things that, they, that happen to them as children. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. people's lives it's just blessed be God even the father the Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the God of all comfort the God of all comfort who comforts us in our in tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Why does God comfort us? So we can comfort others. Amen? 
by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of sympathy, pity, and mercy, the God who is the source of every comfort, consolation, and encouragement. And encouragement. Jesus is an encourager. The words out of our mouth should bring forth encouragement. Amen. You know, we need to, in our homes, encourage one another. Start praising one another. You're not going to get it in the world much. Hang on. Who comforts, counsels, and encourages us in every trouble, calamity, and affliction, so that we may also be able to comfort, counsel, and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble or distress with the comfort, consolation, and encouragement with which we ourselves are comforted, counseled, and encouraged by God. For just as Christ's own sufferings fall to the lot as they overflow upon his disciples, and we share and experience them abundantly, so Christ's comfort, consolation, and encouragement is also shared and experienced abundantly by us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. You are so good. Okay. You can read on on that one if you want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's good. Um, Psalms 147.3. You know, sometimes a person just needs a hug. You know, there are some people that have never been hugged. Never. As children. He heals the brokenhearted and binds, 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. Now listen to this. This is really something. He determines and counts the number of the stars. He calls them by their name. You ever gone someplace where it's really dark and looked up at the stars? Every one of those stars has a name. God placed every one of those stars there and every one of them has a name. Every hair on our head is counted. God is very precise. Acts 9.31. I have to laugh at Levi. He does not miss anything. Anything. And I'm not putting him with God, but it's hilarious. I've never had a dog that's like that that doesn't miss anything. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout the whole of Judea, 
Judea and, Ga and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was edified, growing in wisdom, virtue, and piety, and walking in the respect and reverential fear of the Lord and in the consolation and exhortion of the Holy Spirit continued to increase and was multiplied. Walking in the respect and reverential fear of the Lord. Wow. That's a good subject to teach on. Number nine, he calms the storms. We should not fear or lose our faith. Mark 4, 35. What good does it do to fear? Really? On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Let me see if I got the right one. Okay, let's go. And leaving the throng, they took him with them. Just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting, and the, other, and the boats were with him, and a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on the leather cushion and they awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still, muzzled, and the wind ceased sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating and there was immediately a great calm of perfect peacefulness. He said to them, Why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Then they get over to the other side. And here comes the demon. <laughs> I think he allowed all that personally to prepare them for what was going to be coming out of the tombs. I mean, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And then they get to deal with the demons. I wonder if they stood there or behind rocks. Um, I'm sorry. John 6, 15 through 21. You all know the first time I ever saw anything or heard anything like that, I ran to the back of the church. That's almost hilarious. So any of you that ever had that emotion or feeling, don't let it bother you. It happens to the best of us when we first find out about these things. 6.15 Then Jesus, knowing that they meant to come and seize him, 
that they might make him king, withdrew again to the hillside by himself alone. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and they came and they took a boat and were going across the sea to Capernaum. And it was now dark and still Jesus had not yet come back to them. Meanwhile, the sea was getting rough and rising high because of the great and violent wind that was blowing. However, when they had rowed three or four miles, how would you like to row three or four miles? They saw Jesus walking on the sea and approaching the boat. And they were afraid, terrified. But Jesus said to them, Is it I? Be not afraid. It is I. Be not afraid. I am. Stop being frightened. And they were all quiet, willing, and glad, for he had come into the boat. Now the boat went at once to the land they had steered towards, and immediately they reached the shore towards which they had been slowly making their way. N look at that. And immediately, that's better than a, a, a ski boat. Immediately. I could just see Jesus. Move it on out, God. <laughs> Sorry. Number 10. He answers prayers. He who gave his son will surely give. Who, he who gave his son will surely give what we need. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. We'll do one of these, and then we're going to stop. John fifteen sixteen. I love the scripture. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your faith should remain that whosoever, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. I, I love this scripture. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. I do not call you servants, slaves anymore, for the servant does not know what his master is doing working out. But I have called you my friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed you, I have planted you, and you, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask, in, ask the Father in my name, as presenting all that I am, he may give you. This is what I command you that you love one another. 
If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Thank you, Jesus. I have called you friend. He's called us friend. You know, a lot of people say, I don't have any friends. You've got the best friend you could ever have in Jesus. I'll tell you, he's never going to, you know, he'll never lie to you. He's not a man that he should lie. He'll never hurt you. He only has our good for us. Remember, he came to give life and life in abundance. Father, right now I pray for each person here and those that will hear this teaching online. My prayer, Father, is that we grasp a hold of your word today and we see the areas where you've promised and you've done and you have completed everything that needed to be completed that we can walk in your footsteps. For greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world. And we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we're victorious, that we're overcomers, that there is nothing impossible with you, God. The things impossible with man are possible with you. So whatever situation people are going through this morning or this week, this sermon is for many people this week. My prayer is that when the enemy tries to pull something that they'll that you will bring back to their memories what they heard today for we are more than overcomers for you overcame satan demons principality and powers and every evil thing all we need to do is walk in your word, be doers of the word, have a prayer life, pray your word, God, expect the results because it's already taken care of, and find out what your true will is for our lives. And you reveal that to us through your word. That we don't look at circumstances and situations, but instead we look to you. In you we live and move and have our being. So my prayer over the people today is that this week they will have the boldness and the courage to rise up to that position that you have placed them in as an ambassador of Jesus Christ here on this earth. And that they will take forth the word and wield the sword of the spirit and walk in the way that you have prepared for us to walk in and allow ourselves to 
Operate in patience as pastor taught on Wednesday night. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire, lacking nothing. And so God, I just ask you to bless each one supernaturally, Lord. And I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Say hello to every person that's here. Don't get in such a rush that you forget to fellowship with your brethren and your, and your sisters in Christ.